Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're asking the question, how is it that the U.S. dollar has maintained its status as the world reserve currency? Every year or two, it seems like the U.S. is running out of money again. Legislative gridlock, combined with spending money like drunken sailors, leaves the population wondering whether those in Washington entrusted to govern the United States are really worthy of the honor and the responsibility. The debt ceiling is coded into the legislation by design. The debt ceiling is designed to force a public legislative dialogue about spending responsibly. Some would argue that it's hardly been an example of responsible spending. But somehow the U.S. has raised the debt ceiling 89 times since 1959. Wait a minute. You mean to tell me the U.S. has raised the debt ceiling 89 times in the past 64 years? That's right. That's exactly what's happened. Now, you've no doubt heard the expression, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I'm wondering if there's an expression for when the government fools you 89 times. Will we throw a party when the debt ceiling has been breached 100 times? Somehow, U.S. Treasuries are considered the most safe and secure investments in the world. There's no collateral considered as good as U.S. Treasuries. That confidence is partly based on the notion that the U.S. has not defaulted on its debt in recent history. Now, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has joined the unfailing chorus writing, The U.S. has always paid its bills on time, and the U.S. has never defaulted, not once and telling the Senate Banking Committee that if Congress does not raise the debt ceiling, America would default for the first time in history. Well, this is simply wrong. If the United States did default now, it would in fact be the fifth time, not the first. There have been four explicit defaults on its debts before. They were, number one, the default on the U.S. government's demand notes in early 1862, caused by the Treasury's financial difficulties trying to pay for the Civil War. In response, the U.S. government took to printing pure paper money or greenbacks, which during the war fell to significant discounts against gold. That depended heavily on the military fortunes of the Union armies. Number two, the overt default by the U.S. government on its gold bonds in 1933. The United States had in clear and entirely unambiguous terms promised the bondholders to redeem those bonds in gold coin, and then it refused to do so, offering depreciated paper currency instead. That case went ultimately to the Supreme Court, which on a 5-4 to four vote upheld the sovereign power of the government to default if it chose to. And to quote Justice Harlan Stone, a member of the Supreme Court, he said, As much as I deplore this refusal to fulfill this solemn promise of bonds of the United States, the government, through its exercise of sovereign power, has rendered itself immune from liability, demonstrating the classic risk of lending to a sovereign. Number three was when the United States government defaulted in 1968 by refusing to honor its explicit promise to redeem silver paper certificates for silver dollars. The silver certificate stated, and still state on the face, in language that no one could misunderstand, it says this certifies there has been deposited in the Treasury of the United States of America one silver dollar payable to the bearer upon demand. It would be hard to have a clearer promise than that. But when an embarrassing large number of those bearers of these certificates demanded the promised silver dollars, the U.S. government simply decided not to pay. For those who believe that the certification was and is printed on the face of those silver certificates, well, that's too bad. Tough luck. The fourth default was in 1971, breaking of the U.S. government's commitment to redeem dollars held by foreign governments for gold under the Bretton Woods Agreement. 
Since that commitment was the linchpin of the entire Bretton Woods system, reneging on it marked the end of that system. President Nixon announced the act as temporary, but of course that was not temporary at all, it was actually permanent. So to paraphrase Daniel Moynihan, you're entitled to your opinion about the debt ceiling, but not to your own facts about the history of U.S. government defaults. So the question is, what would be the consequences of a default on the government's obligations? No doubt the investment community would dump treasuries and the U.S. would need to raise interest rates even further in order to attract investors to buy those bonds. Think Argentina or Mozambique or Angola. If the U.S. faces the market reaction demanding higher rates, then the higher and higher proportion of its revenue would need to go to servicing the debt. And eventually, that will become a debt trap from which the U.S. will not escape regardless of how much money gets printed. So the question is whether the U.S. actually needs to default on its debt in order to shake investor confidence. Does the continued 89th, 90th, and 91st threat of default eventually cause the market to tire of the nonsense? You see, the bond market is the backbone of the credit market. It's not the Fed. 2022 was the worst year in history for the bond market. And it's ultimately the bond market that determines the price of paper, not the Federal Reserve. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.